Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When God fills you with this Holy Spirit, it's almost like he peels his film off of your eyes, and then you really see things as they are. Am I right about it? You see things as they are. And I don't think that just happened to me. And, and I saw the grass was green, and I started crying. And I started thanking the Lord for just saving me, because I was nothing, and God saved me. And the Bible says that God will make something beautiful from ashes. This is the kind of God we serve. He makes beauty out of ashes. Can somebody get excited about that? And he did with me. And he removed that callous heart, that insensitive heart. Look at verse 38, back to our text. They did not believe in him, and here's why. That, did I hear you talking that word, that? The word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Jesus says their unbelief was predicted centuries before, probably about 700 years, by Isaiah. And then he quotes Isaiah chapter 6. If you're taking notes, you write that down in your margin. And he quotes Isaiah 53. Now, there are people who have done theological cartwheels over this verse because they're trying to explain these verses and, and they don't understand. It's real simple. In verse 37, they did not believe. Look at verse 38, that the word of Isaiah might be fulfilled. In other words, they were victims of God's sovereign plan and prophecy. In verse 39, they could not. When we say they, we're talking about Israel. Are y'all getting that? They could not believe because God, not Satan, blinded them. Satan blinded them first. But God is allowing them to remain in that blindness. Verse 38 says that the word of Isaiah might be fulfilled. Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah 53 is talking about the Messiah and asking the question, who's going to believe? Now, the arm of the Lord, if you're taking notes, you write this down, refers to his miracles. It refers to his power. Isaiah is asking, who's going to believe his miracles? And who's going to believe his power? And who's going to believe his almightiness? And the implied answer is hardly anybody. Few will believe. So it was prophesied, which tells us that their unbelief is no accident. Listen, this is hard to understand, but you need to get this. And here is the reason why verse-by-verse Bible study is critical. Because if you don't study the word verse-by-verse, things like this, you will miss it. You'll never get it. What God is saying here is that the divine order demands those who willfully harden themselves will be hardened even further. Did y'all get that? Those who 
willfully harden themselves will be hardened even further, and those who stiffen themselves will be made more stiff. Hmm. So then the question, if his miracles were so obvious, then why didn't Israel believe? Well, listen, hang on to your hat. Israel didn't believe because God blinded them. It was God's plan. God designed it. It wasn't an accident. Verse 38, they believed not that Isaiah might be fulfilled. That word that, if you're taking notes, is henna, H-I-N-A. It's a clause. In Greek, it means exactly what it means. They didn't believe in him for the purpose of Isaiah being fulfilled. Note this, Bible students. It doesn't say they didn't believe and it was fulfilled. No. It says, are y'all tracking with me? It says they didn't believe in order that it might be fulfilled. In other words, God's design in his plan of prophecy, their unbelief. And this is hard for us to digest, but we call this sovereignty. Now, God planning the unbelief, blindness, and hardness of Israel does not take away or contradict their responsibility to believe. The unbelief of Israel is a guilty unbelief. Our unbelief is a guilty unbelief. Man has a responsibility to believe in Jesus. Write this down, John 3, 18. Jesus said, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. God has sovereignty over all, over everything. The word sovereign, it means God does what he wants. That's what the word sovereign means. It means he does what he pleases. Sovereignty, does what he pleases. I have sovereignty in my home. Amen. When I come in, the kids bring my slippers. The dog brings the newspaper. What else happens in a normal home? Sovereignty means he does what he pleases. And God, listen, does what he pleases. God has sovereignty over who believes in Jesus and who does not. And both are true, whether we understand it or not. Now, there are many things in the Bible that I don't understand, but it doesn't mean I don't believe it. I may not understand it, but it doesn't mean I don't believe it. Well, look at verse 39. It tells us they could not. Are you looking at verse 39? If you look at verse 39, say I'm looking at it. Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said, write this in your margins, Isaiah 6.10. Just write that in your margin. Isaiah 6.10. Make the heart of his people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. And that's why I can't stress it enough. It's a consequence when you don't respond to the calling of God because someday he may stop calling and then God will harden you in the position that you have taken. Don't you know your Bibles? Moses is challenging Pharaoh to let the people go. And if you read the story and you watch and you see the progress developing while Pharaoh's heart, it becomes harder. Exodus 7, 13, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard. Exodus 8, 32, but Pharaoh hardened his heart. Exodus 9, 7, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard. Exodus 9, 12, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. 
So over and over, Pharaoh hardened his own heart until the day that God stepped in and finished the job for him, until they no longer have the ability to turn around and receive God's help. And God is saying to Israel, nobody is going to believe. God said, this is how it's going to be because they're going to refuse and I'm going to harden their hearts in their refusal. Listen, God knew that they would reject him and their rejection in his master plan brought about the death of Christ and the birth of the church. I think of Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7. It tells us to seek the Lord. Y'all come on, read it with me and read it like you mean it. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. Look at verse 42 in chapter, uh, chapter 12. Some of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be excommunicated. So listen, even though God had blinded and hardened the nation, there were individuals who believed and some of them were chief priests. Now, you might remember, if you've been with me in John, John 9, 22 said that if anyone followed Jesus, the chief ruler said they were to be put out of the synagogue. Remember that? Or they were to be excommunicated. Well, in Hebrew, I told you this word. Are y'all with me? In Hebrew, I told you this word excommunicated means unsynagogued, unsynagogued. Being unsynagogued meant you lost your ability to pray to God. You lost your ability to be blessed by God. You lost your family. You would be treated as if you were dead. You lost your business. You'd be avoided by all Jews. That was financial ruin. If you were unsynagogued, that meant social, relational, financial, spiritual, and even practical bankruptcy. Look at verse 43. They didn't confess Jesus because they loved the praise of men. And things have not changed, have they? People love the praise of men. How many times have we not shared the gospel because of the praise of men? We don't want people to look at us a certain way. Or we allow the world's thinking to dictate sharing the gospel. Or we say, you know, we don't talk religion and politics because of the praise of men. Everybody has a right to believe what they want, people say nowadays. Even Christian families, you know, I was shocked to find out and talk to even Christian families nowadays are saying, well, you know, I'm going to let my my kids, you know, choose what religion they want to be a part of. Parents, listen, that is a mistake. Okay, y'all need to say a better amen than that. That's a mistake. I'm going to let my children decide. We just read it that 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 we as parents Children are heritage from the Lord. Did we not just read that? And we as parents have a responsibility like a warrior to take that arrow, which would be your child, and to lead them, direct them to the target of the Lord. The Bible says to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. No, I'm not letting my children choose what religion, especially if I'm paying the rent. Where my people at? Hallelujah. Yes, sir. No, 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 no. You live in my house and eat my food, you're going to worship my God. (laughs) Absolutely. But this is what's going on in the world. Why? Because we want the praise of men or we want the praise of our children. 
We want to be our kids' friend. I mean, people say, oh, I want to be friends with my kids. Listen, parents, listen, this one's for you. Listen to me. Don't worry about being your child's friend, okay? You worry about being their parent. They got friends out leading them astray out in school and everywhere else, okay? You need to be a parent. Don't try to be their friend. And let me tell you how this works. Now, my son, and my son, the, the big black guy on the drums, <laughs> you can't miss him. Um, he's on the drums. He's been playing drums since we started this church. He was 15 years old when he was the church drummer. He still is. And, uh, and my daughter, who was singing today, um, she's on the worship team. And I've raised my children in the church. And I have been a father to them. I have told my children, and y'all need to get this verbiage in your vocabulary. I'm not trying to be your friend. I don't want to be your friend. I don't even like you. I just have to take care of you because you showed up. By virtue of some interactions, there you were. But I don't really like you. (laughs) my family is going to kill me after this sermon I I am so dead if you don't see me next week just know I'm with Jesus (laughs) just say Pastor Ronnie is with the Lord with the good Lord up above and uh, (laughs) no I've told my kids I, I really mean this I've told them I'm not trying to be your friend I'm trying to be your father and let me tell you something And being their father and being their parent, if you concern yourself there, you will wind up their friend. You will be their friend. But if you do it the other way around, you won't be either. You lose. That's just a freebie. I'm just trying to help you. I'm your pastor. I love you. I'm trying to help you. Raise your children to love the Lord and to serve the Lord. Bring them to church. My kids have been raised from the nursery. I, my wife had a baby. She spit him out this week. Two weeks later, we, we, she literally spit him out. And, and uh, <laughs> we bring, bring him to church in the nursery, right back to ministry. They went through nursery, in the first grade, in the second grade, in the third grade. Some of y'all parents know what I'm talking about because you've done the same. And then and through the nursery, and then the first grade, and the second grade, and third grade, and all through the grades. And then they go to junior high, and they got a big worship thing down there where they play extremely loud, obnoxious music. And then they're, that's why they're in another building. And, um, and then they learn, and, they, and, they, and then the youth pastor here teaches verse by verse, just like we do. So then when they come up to big church, then it's, it's normal. Church is normal. Then your children get old enough and they move out and, and then, 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 they, then they, you know, they, they, they say, Dad, Dad, I got to find a church. That's a blessing. Or they move out and they just come to church. I don't call them up and say, where y'all at? They come to church because that's the way they were raised. If you raise them that way, that's what they'll do. If you don't raise them that way, don't expect them to do it. Raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Raise them to love the Lord. Don't be so concerned with the praise of your children. Don't be so concerned with the praise of men. We live in a culture 
It's all about the praise of men, aren't we? Don't we? Got to be thin enough. Got to be, you know, pretty enough. Got to be buff enough. Got to be good looking enough. Every year, People Magazine, you know, I got a lot of time on my hands. I just had rotator cuff surgery, for those of you that don't know. And um, um, thus explains the sling in case you were questioning. And um, so I got a lot of time on my hands, and I'm just, you know, sitting. It's so horrible, so boring. So I'm just sitting, you know, and I'm reading the Bible and everything. You know, I I just constantly read the Bible. And, you know, there's just comes a time where you're just all bobbled out. Y'all probably like, ooh, the pastor is talking about these bobbled out. <laughs> is the pastor supposed to say that? I mean, what, I mean, there's only so much Bible you can take at one point. Okay, religious people, say amen. <laughs> so I put the Bible down, you know, and I'm channel surfing. I'm just going through the channels, you know. And then I see uh, they, they come this one show. They, they, people Magazine come up with the, 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 the sexiest man alive. And I'm like... Who, that, that's the dumbest thing in the world. Who sits in a room and goes to all the men in the entire world and says, these the sexiest man alive or the sexiest woman alive and they're on People Magazine cover. Listen, listen, you're not always going to be, you'll be the sexiest man alive for this issue. Okay, give it 10 years and everything goes south. Right? People spend money to get it back up north. Am I right about it? But this is, this is crazy. We live in a culture where people will prefer popularity and fame for a few years rather than salvation and eternity forever. Listen, you can't be a friend of God and a friend of the world. James chapter 4, verse 4, if you don't know it, write it down. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy with God. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37, Jesus said, For what shall it profit a man, saints, come on, help me, what shall it profit a man if he gains the what? The whole world and loses his what? His soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his what? Soul. Well, in verse 44 through 50, some people believe that Jesus is not actually speaking. And some good Bible commentaries and commentators actually believe that Jesus is not actually speaking, but that John is remembering and recalling the statements of Jesus, uh, which makes sense because earlier we learned that Jesus went and hid himself. So if Jesus went and hid himself, then why is he showing up speaking here in the later text? So uh, that makes sense that John is just simply recalling and remembering the statements of Jesus because they sound exactly like what we've been reading all the way through John. Look at verse 45. He who sees me sees him who sent me. And all throughout John's gospel, Jesus stressed the unity with the Father. John 10, 30, I and the Father are, anybody know? One, John 14, 9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. You see, this is, the, is central to John's gospel and the Christian faith. If you don't have Jesus as Savior, you don't have God as your father. You can't believe in Jesus the Son without believing in God the Father. And you can't believe in God the Father without believing in Jesus the Son. You can't have one without the other. Didn't somebody come up with a song like that? Love and marriage. Love and marriage. Go together like a horse and carriage. 
Dad was told by mother, you can't have one without the See, I knew y'all knew it. You can't have one without the other. You can't have God as father, because there are people who say, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus, right? You can't have one without the other. There is a unity between the father and the son and the Holy Spirit. And what you do with Jesus is the clearest test on what you do with God. I think of Hebrews chapter one, verse three through four, Jesus being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. I told you when we were in Hebrews, the word brightness is the Greek word effulgence, E-F-F-U-L-G-E-N-C-E. And that means the outshining. Jesus isn't reflecting the glory of the Father. He is the glory of the Father. Look at verse 46. I have come as a light into the world. Jesus came to bring light into our lives. He came to help the blind to see. I do not judge him. Jesus stressed his love and acceptance for sinners. Verse 47, if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I don't judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. John 3, 17 says pretty much the same thing. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to send people to hell. He came to rescue people from hell. So listen, there will be those who believe and those who don't. So Jesus' offer of life is without distinction, watch this, but not without exception. In other words, anyone can come. Black sinners, white sinners. Blue-collar sinners, white-collar sinners. Skinny sinners, not-so-skinny sinners. Asian, Hispanic, anybody can come to Jesus, but everybody must choose to come. You can refuse. If you reject Jesus in verse 48 and don't receive his words, there are consequences for rejecting Jesus. Christ doesn't have to personally judge you. His word will judge you. It's your choice. You can believe it or not. I have not spoken on my own authority. Jesus stressed his own submission to God the Father. His authority flowed from his submission to God the Father. And then finally in verse 50, and I know that his command is everlasting. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, So I speak. The reason Jesus' laws are so unchangeable and so absolute is because they came from God. If a man refuses to hear the teachings of Jesus, he sentences himself. That man assigns himself to judgment. Remember, Jesus came to save. He came to give life and light. He came to show men the knowledge of God. He came to offer men everlasting life. Are you listening? If a man refuses it, that man then assigns himself to judgment. Interesting words on a cathedral in Lubbock, Germany. Listen close. You call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and walk me not. You call me life and choose me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me might and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. Hmm. Listen, although this chapter seems sad, Jesus came to his own, his own received or not. But we need to remember that this was no accident of history. The reason Jesus died 
so he could take the place of sinners. It was the dying, listen, that he became my savior. It was the dying that he became your savior. It was the dying that he became the savior. All that happened in the dying, Jesus' rejection by his own people was the path that God planned so that he would make salvation possible for the whole world. So this sad account of the unbelief of Israel is designed by John and God to bring gladness to the world, to bring joy to the world. It brings your peace, your healing, and your forgiveness. This is the point of the unbelief of Israel. It's God's point. It's God's plan brought to you by a despised Messiah. Israel had a day, and it ended. And so could yours. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.